The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Freddie Vinehill-Cliff and Tom Griffin from Nugent Audio. Welcome. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us. Both. Um, so, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get into the meat of things. Um, who are you? What's your background? How do you come to be at Nugent? And, and what do you do at Nugent as well? So, uh, I don't know who we should start with. Should we start with Tom? Tom, tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, my role is the assistant product specialist. Um, kind of a variety of different tasks come under that role. So, we do a lot of um, like the content side of things. On the marketing side for new gen, we go to uh, various trade shows, um, audio conventions, and we sort of represent new gen on the booth, running demos, chatting to various users of, uh, you know, whether they're like uh, students or whether people working in big uh, studio facilities. Um, and yeah, we sort of run uh, bits of admin behind the scenes as well. Um, and then sort of my background in music, I basically uh, started out sort of, if I go right to the start, uh, started out learning guitar when I was a kid. And that, obviously that developed into sort of uh, interest in music production, uh, did music production at the Leeds College of Music, which is now called the Leeds Conservatoire. Oh, I know it well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, graduated there in 2018. And then I've done like playing in bands and things like that in the side. I've done some sort of live sound engineering for small gigs as well. And then sort of playing in bands and doing my own sort of electronic production as well. So kind of quite varied, but yeah, bit of everything. Excellent. Okay. Um, And same question to Freddie. Um, Yep. So I'm Freddie Vinehill-Cliff, as you've said. Uh, I'm the product specialist. So my role at NewGen is very similar to Tom's, but without assistant in front of it um <laughs> my background in audio is that i well i studied music tech at university and then i did a master's in applied musicology while i was doing that master's i started out working part-time in tech support at new gen um, and eventually they realized that i was far too charming for tech support and uh and uh, moved on to doing kind of more, more face-to-face stuff i still occasionally work as like a freelance uh, life sound engineer as well, um, but New Gen is my main gig. Excellent. I'm not sure it's possible to be too charming for for uh, for support roles. Um, uh, I, th- I think there's there's superhuman levels of of patience <laughs> going to going as part of the job description for that job. But yes, there that's true. It's perhaps a different type of charm. Um, <laughs> although I am I am also being slightly tongue in cheek. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that I don't think I'd be terribly good at it because I am quite grumpy. But anyway, we should move on from that to, to just talking about Nugent. I mean, for people who don't know Nugent and their products, it's um, tell us what is it about Nugent that's distinctive? I mean, I I associate Nugent with uh, with being a proudly north of England company who do something quite specific. Uh, and kind of specialised, if you know what I mean. Your, your your remit could be broader, but you choose to make sure that it isn't. Um, and I see that very much as a strength. This is a compliment I'm paying right now. But that's my well, opinion. I, d- I don't even <laughs> work for Nugent. So um, uh, I d- I d- maybe we should go back to, to, to Freddie again and tell us, what do you think it is that's, uh, that's distinctive about Nugent? What's the Nugent thing? Sure. So, uh, yes, you're right that we're based in the north of England. We're uh, Well, our office is in Leeds, although we are a little bit more spread out now. I'm actually over in Halifax. Um, but I think what makes NewGen unique is kind of that a lot of 
are tools aren't necessarily creative tools. A lot of them are tools designed to fix a problem or to make a kind of one of the the less exciting aspects of audio quicker so that you can focus on the more um the more fun and creative aspects so for example uh several of our kind of flagship products are to do with loudness management um compliance that kind of thing those aren't particularly exciting things to be working on um but we've got to this point now where we well vizlm for example is the industry standard for loudness measurement it means that people can spend less time thinking about loudness and more time thinking about fun stuff and that's kind of that's the <laughs> space that we occupy is um yeah we we'll do the hard work for you it's a bit like us doing your homework and uh, and then you get to do the exciting bits fantastic in the same way that you wouldn't give the fun bits to the assistant you'd give the boring bits <laughs> to the assistant this is uh, i'm glad i was never <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because kind of like yeah, it's um, uh, there's 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 lots of uh, I think the phrase I used is attention grabbing, but just kind of the sexy bits, and it's kind of like we know about those, but they're not the bits that you mind spending time on. Lots of our tools are the boring, tedious aspects, and that allow the bit, a bit more time for the creativity and the you know so-called fun side of mixing and mastering. And I guess with a lot of the products that we've done we've had a bit more maybe a little bit more of an emphasis on like the post-production world as well so you kind of a lot of more things that you need to like sort of comply to um, there's less room for uh, creativity as such on that side of things so we try and help those uh the guys working in that side of things in the big facilities um along with those like boring long-winded processes that are now hopefully a lot more streamlined and intuitive for the user uh, well, I mean, up mix and down mix is really prominent in Nugent's product range. Um, I mean, I, I think I think just making stuff go from mono to stereo and back is is kind of full in, full of enough pitfalls as it is. So, I mean, these issues uh, grow exponentially, shall we say, with with channel count. Um, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> uh, can you explain what some of the issues are when you're fanning out or folding down audio in, in either direction? Why is it so complicated? Because it clearly is. So I think, well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned mono to stereo because as well as Halo Up Mix and Halo Down Mix, um, we do also have a plugin called Stereoizer, which is a stereo width plugin, um, but it works slightly differently to the majority of stereo width plugins. So most of those um, will primarily just use kind of a, a mid-side control. So it's making the side channels louder and the mid-channel um quieter um, in order to give the impression of width but stereoizer actually also adds in uh, interaural intensity difference and interaural time difference which is basically just a posh way of saying it um, actually adds differences to the signal in in the left and right channels and mm. um, so that means you can use it to essentially upmix mono audio into stereo um, but that's obviously a pretty major headache if you don't know what you're doing um when I'm talking about interval time difference, that's essentially adding artificial bits of subtle delay between the two channels. Um, the interval intensity difference, that's similar, um, but it's rather than time difference, it's, it's differences in intensity. Both of those things done badly can add some quite nasty phase issues to the, um, to the audio. So Stereoizer has had to be designed really carefully so that it is mono fold down compatible so that when someone's 
I don't know, streaming a piece of music on their iPhone where they've only got one speaker, um, you're not losing things that have been, you know, that have been dropped out because of phase cancellation. And as you've said, that becomes an even more major problem um, the more channels you have. So Halo Up Mix can go up to 714. So that's 12 channels in total. Um, and although it can't take a mono source, it can take a stereo source. So if you're taking stereo audio and creating a pseudo 714 mix from that, there's all kinds of concerns that you might have about phase. Um, but again, Halo Up Mix is designed in such a way that it is fold-down compatible. And the reason for that is that it doesn't actually add anything to the audio. Mm -hmm. All it does is take what's there and move it around. So there's no artificial delay, no artificial reverb, no chorusing. Um, and that means that theoretically, when the audio is downmixed at a later date, it should sound exactly the same as the original stereo source. Um, or if not exactly the same, it's kind of as as near as damn it. Um, and there's, yeah, all kinds of um, considerations that we've had when designing these tools to ensure that that is the case and that you don't get any nasty surprises further downstream. Um, if someone's listening to your beautiful Dolby Atmos mix on a 5.1 setup, they're not getting, um, you know, certain bits of audio being lost or odd kind of flanging effects or, or whatever it might be. You know, we've, we've, we've worked hard to avoid all of that. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Autoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Interesting. I mean, th this is a bit of a pet area of mine of uh, stereoizing mono uh, mono information, and uh, the, you're referring to you know you can play with the uh, the intensity, the, the level at different areas across the spectrum. And if you do that in a symmetrical way between channels, then it'll fold down potentially, uh, theoretically, perfectly back back to mono. Um, if you're introducing delays, this is always so exciting. You bang it on and think that sounds awesome, and then you try it in mono, and it really doesn't sound awesome anymore at all. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued by, and there are other things that you can do. There are there are quite a few little uh, little tricks. We ran a great. Uh, series on the blog actually a few years ago uh, going through all of the different things that you can do to do these things manually but i think people who do this stuff regularly um are probably of the opinion that while you can do it manually and it's interesting as a, as a intellectual exercise um, you get better results more quickly if you just let somebody else do the hard work we're going around in circles again aren't we to this idea that we, we, where we started um the conversation with about nugent and their distinctiveness yeah. However, exactly how that works when you're up into up into Atmos channel counts, I'm, I'm, I, my mind does slightly boggle actually, just because um, uh, if it's if it's as difficult as I said it is in uh, in stereo, is there anything else that you can say about that? I mean, this is potentially sensitive because uh, uh, you don't want to explain exactly how how your how your product works, but uh, I don't know. Is it is it a matter of uh, what you do or how you do it? So I suppose 
we're quite lucky in a way in that because neither me or Tom work in the uh, development side. Oh, you don't we're even not know. Programmers. <laughs> well, so so I, I work alongside the development team, but I don't write the code. So my I can probably tell you exactly my understanding of things and it won't be detailed enough, enough be for you to actually <laughs> steal our technology. Um, but it's essentially with Halo Up Mix, um, it has um, dialogue recognition in there. So it attempts to send... The dialogue front and centre keeps that in the centre mm. channel. Um, kind of your more sort of ambient sounds um, end up getting sent to the back. Um, it listens to phase relationships between different sounds and, and uses those to create a coherent spatial upmix. So it's not just kind of moving stuff to random points in the in the surround field. Got you. It's not um, arbitrary. It's, uh, it's exactly. content dependent. That's what, yes, that's a very good, very good term for it. Content dependent, exactly. Excellent. I'm, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to to, to hear about the uh, um, presumably element of, if not AI, then then machine learning, but some kind of uh, some kind of recognition of what this thing might be and how best to treat it in terms of the treatment of dialogue as well, which of course is important. I mean, you don't want people flying, people's voices flying around uh, um, a surround array because that would be counterproductive. <laughs> So when our colleague Paul Tapper designed the algorithm for Halo Up Mix, I believe that he did use um, some neural networks to train it, um, but that's about the extent of my knowledge on that. Mm. And to be honest, I feel like I pro- even if I did know more, I might not be at liberty to say more. Yeah, yeah, so, of course, um, of course. But it's, yeah, there, there is some element of kind of artificial intelligence in there. Fantastic. Um, so, I mean, in terms of in terms of products and, and product name. Sorry. So, Halo Up Mix is the Up Mix tool, and then we have Halo Down Mix, and Halo Vision is the analysis tool. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about Halo Vision, Tom. I feel yeah, like I've yeah, been sure. dominating. That's, that's that's absolutely fine. Yeah. So, I guess it's quite it's quite easy to get mixed up. They're all under the Halo sort of family, as we've started calling it. Um, and I guess you, you might have seen our plugin visualizer that we've had out for a number of years, which is like more of a stereo specific analysis suite. But with Halo Vision, what we wanted to do is incorporate a load of uh, views and information that are more specific to if you're working in surround and in uh, 3D and immersive formats. So it kind of works in a similar way, sort of a, a modular um, interface that you can pull up views, take them away, drag them around, resize things. Um, and it, with the sort of emphasis of surround, there's a couple of views that uh, I guess when you're up, you know, up mixing, then certain like things like phase and the correlation uh, are probably quite important as well. And it's something you need to monitor constantly. So we've introduced what we've called our correlation matrix and correlation web. Um, which essentially the correlation web is almost like a sort of top-down speaker view. And it's got your, like, your speakers set out in a similar way to the Halo Up Mix uh, UI. And it indicates a red line in between two channel pairings whenever they've gone out of phase with each other. Um, and we have an option in Halo Vision, which is what we've called um, our... Oh, is it is it contextual correlation? Contextual, thank you. Yeah, so it's called our contextual correlation, um, which is essentially allowing you to only get notified when uh, the phase and the correlation between two channels is going to have any effect on the mix. So, um, you know, if you were to just have, if you were to untick that option, basically, uh, 
the uh, the the view would like sort of signal and notify you as to when any two channels have gone like you know ever so slightly you know one percent out of phase with each other uh whereas if the contextual um correlation is switched on then you're only getting notified when it's going to have an effect or a detrimental effect on the mix um and probably that works something oh sorry probably something worth mentioning with the contextual correlation is that it's it's based on the signal level so yes. Most correlation meters don't take signal level into account. So that means that if you have two signals which are out of phase, but one of them is much, much louder or much, much quieter than the other, mm -hmm. most correlation meters will still show that they're out of phase, but that won't actually affect the mix sure, or at least sure. not yeah. in a noticeable way. Whereas with contextual correlation, it's actually weighted by signal level. So, that it, so it means that you uh, only see it when the signal level is close enough that it's likely to have an effect. Um, just just to give a bit more context on what yeah. on what Tom was saying there. We've got a great review that uh, Paul Maunder did of uh, of Halo Vision, and uh, and yeah, the big. I mean, it's not a hexagon, but kind of dodecahedron shape or yeah. whatever it is. But uh, um, showing the relationship between the different channels and the big sort of triangle meter that uses color coding to to indicate potential issues um, uh, down the sort of. Uh, uh, the channel count, shall we say? Um, yeah, it's 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 an, a very useful way to display an awful lot of information in a in a way that's actually meaningful and and relevant. I suppose your idea about the sort of the false alerts showing you uh, showing you uh, something that is technically um, a problem but practically isn't is is a really good example of that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, up mix and down mix. Um, you have a family of reverb products and um, immersive reverb, and uh, it, it's the development of immersive formats highlighted the fact that uh, certainly in the early days, things have changed these days. Um, uh, reverb presented a set of problems, particularly if we were using kind of the tools that existed at the time when people were trying to adapt them for use to higher channel counts. Um, uh, tell us about Paragon. So one thing I would say is even even prior to us releasing Paragon, people were using our tools in order to create immersive reverbs because essentially you could place Halo Upmix as an insert on a reverb send, and you could still do that now. So if you've got a reverb plugin you really, really like that you want to use in an Atmos project, mm. um, but it only runs in stereo, you could literally just put the reverb send itself through Halo up mix in order to create a pseudo 5.1 version or 7.1 version or 7.1.2 version or whatever it might be. Mm. So that was already being used as part of people's arsenal. Um, so it made sense for us to create a surround reverb as well. Um, to my knowledge, Paragon is actually the first immersive reverb which uses convolution. So there are other immersive reverbs out there, but as far as I'm aware, they're all algorithmic reverbs. Um, so this might be going right back to basics, but for anyone listening who's unsure of the difference, algorithmic reverbs use an algorithm to create uh, the impression of uh, a reverberant space, whereas convolution reverbs use what's called an impulse response, which is a, a special type of recording of a space. Um, and it essentially lets you hear how your sound would sound in that space. I've used the word sound too many times there, but I, I think I got what I wanted to say across. Um, so Paragon is a convolution reverb. All of the impulse responses have been recorded in B format ambisonic. So that essentially means that um, 
that's not a channel-based format. So you can create a reverb of any number of channels from those impulse responses. So at the moment, Paragon goes up to 712, but I believe we do have plans to eventually expand that up to 714 and hopefully 916. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be big. Uh, big boy season, I would, <laughs> I would describe it as. Um, so yeah, um, but the the other unique thing about it, as well as being the first immersive um, convolution reverb, the other thing about it is that it uses a new method of convolution. So this was developed by a guy called Dr. Jez Wells, who was doing research at the University of York at the time, and I know he's moved on but I couldn't tell you where he's moved to. But uh, he was doing this research at the University of York and he created a method of convolution which allows you to essentially resynthesize the impulse responses so that you can increase the reverb size or the decay time and things like that without using time stretching. So other convolution reverbs which, by the way, do sound amazing. I'm not, uh, you know, not trying to undermine. But other convolution reverbs, if you do increase the reverb time or the um, the room size or anything like that, it uses time stretching, and that can, in some situations, give you unwanted artifacts. Whereas the resynthesis that Jez Wells developed means that whenever you increase the decay time, the room size anything like that, it essentially generates a new impulse response based on a model of the original impulse response. So you have the same authentic reverb sound, but without um, without the constraints of, of how big that room actually was. So that means as well that you save a lot of space on your machine because you don't have to have a library of hundreds and hundreds of impulse responses rather than having to have 10 different church IRs, for example, for any time you might need a slightly different sounding church reverb, you can use one impulse response of a church and then tweak it to your heart's content within Paragon. And the, the level of tweakability, I think, is quite mind-blowing. And I think, I think actually a lot of the time when I'm showing even people who've used Paragon already, when I'm doing a face-to-face -face demo, I think we, we definitely, we could probably do a better job of communicating just how flexible it is because, um, because there's so much to it and it goes so in-depth that I think a lot of people, even avid Paragon users and new-gen superfans, probably have only scratched the surface of it. So it's, yeah, it's a really exciting product. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm gushing here. Yeah, you, you, I, are, I you are. You are. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I don't know this product. Um, I, I, know, I know other Reverb products extremely well. I'm, I'm wondering how much overlap there is between, I mean... Uh, there are there are elements of of convolution in some in some immersive reverbs that I could mention, but I'm I I, I think I don't know if you're right or not about the uh, about the pure convolution thing. You might well be. It's it's slightly outside of my uh, um, my, my knowledge. Um, that's interesting about the resynthesis stuff. Um, I can think of another product that that you can get around that limitation with, but I don't think it uses anything like the method you're describing, which sounds very interesting. Certainly there was a Reverb product that I used some time ago that took a brute force approach 
to uh, to convolution and you ended up with an extremely large, like unmanageably large library. So anything that can keep that down, it's, it's the thing that kind of puts people off, isn't it? The lack of flexibility and uh, and the payload of pure convolution reverbs. So if this does something to, to address that, then absolutely, it sounds very, very interesting. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Excellent. So, uh, what should we talk about next? We should. We should, a plugin I really liked, and uh, um, I remember at the launch I I, I made a series of, uh, of, of videos. Um, was Sigmod? I think this is a plugin that really illustrates the point that you opened with talking about Nugent about about the kind of like doing the boring bits, so you don't need to worry about them. I loved I loved Sigmod straight away just because I I got it. It's those kind of those sort of channel based operations that you can do if you know what you're doing. You can do them in the Pro Tools mixer through some sort of convoluted routing and stuff and you feel terribly clever when you've done it but it's it's not exactly convenient and having something that you can just drop this in and go I, I want to set up some instant mid-side processing or I, I want to do you know something like that and uh, um, it's a thing that's kind of uh, uh, it's been around for a little while but I understand it's it's had a bit of attention recently and a bit of an update tell us what's going on with Sigmod well first yeah. off, first off just to us for people who don't know what Sigmod yeah. is and then what is this changed i guess um i've heard sigmod described in quite a, a number of different ways um it's sort of it's a it's a utility plugin but it's like the jack of all trades i've heard i can't remember what um youtube channel it was but they've described it as uh, the swiss army knife of uh plugins audio plugins which i think is a great way to describe it um and essentially it's sort of again another sort of modular plugin where you can insert um different uh utility sort of effects to the plugin so you've got things like you can switch things into mid side you can actually insert um sort of third party plugins within sigmod um which is kind of like a bit of a cheat code if you're using certain doors which only accept you know certain um formats um you know uh, can add like delays to the left and right channels um there's a bunch of different um uh, inserts it kind of does whatever you want it to do uh specifically um it uh, basically uh, it previously uh, to sort of describe what we've done to it there recently it, it used to be a stereo only plugin so again you could either use it in left or right or you could also switch it into mid side mode um but uh, recently we've added uh, mono compatibility uh, to the plugin so that kind of opens up the options of when you can use it you can obviously opens up a bit more uh, availability to use it on like individual instrument tracks as well as like your stereo out and things like that um yeah if you're working on stems and like single track and audio and then another cool thing we've added is what we've called our split module so this comes into the whole thing about dual mono processing basically the split module as its name suggests uh splits the left and right channels apart and you have like single channel processing working independently of each other um so you can obviously, uh, any of the modules within Sigmod, you can use just for the left channel or just for the right channel. Or again, you can flip the plugin into mid-side mode and you can also affect the mid and the sides uh, independently of each other as well. Um, 
Fantastic. I was, yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember whether or not the person who described it as a Swiss Army knife was me, but um, <laughs> it could I well think have it been. Might, it might have been. I think it was. Uh, might have been White Noise Studio. Oh, I think okay. it was a video, but uh, you know, uh, you know, feel free to take credit for that. Also. Oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. But, uh, but yeah, no. I'm, you know, I, I, I was very into it um, at the time because I got it completely of just kind of how it could help me. And I suppose this is what I'm saying is that uh, some uh, for someone who's working in stereo up mix and down mix products aren't really my world but uh, something like this working purely in stereo absolutely is and i think it illustrates uh, the point we're making perfectly um i mean we should we should probably move things along because we uh, time is getting kind of ahead of us but before we go to find of the week what if anything can you share with us about the future of nugent audio anything you can share so a couple of things the first thing is that um at the start of the year we generally tend to do our annual customer survey where we send out an email to everyone on our on our mailing list um, just to get some feedback about what people want from us. This year, at the start of 2022, um, we gave out a free plugin called Aligner to everyone who everyone who filled out that survey. Mm. This year, I'm not going to say what it is, but we do have another new free plugin that we'll be giving away to anyone who completes that customer survey. So um, if you have opinions about new gen and you like free things, then uh, get involved in that. Um, the other thing is that we have a pretty major overhaul of one of our big name products mm-hmm. uh, in the works. I don't have an exact timeline for that and I don't think I'm at liberty to say what it is, but I think um, the real new gen heads will know uh, what I'm referring to, um, but yeah, we we we've got kind of a essentially a ground up rebuild of of one of our flagship products on the way, which is very exciting. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, with that, let's move on to find of the week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. So, Tom, what's your find of the week? Um, So recently I've been reading this book called Rock in a Hard Place. Um, It's quite an interesting uh, uh, book. It's basically about... um, sort of bands on the heavier end of the spectrum. So the likes of like your rock and heavy metal, death metal, all that kind of distorted goodness. Um, it's basically uh, documenting uh, bands in, uh, it's, it's spread across like sort of Arabic countries everywhere from like Iran across to like Libya. And it's uh, basically documenting and going through the sort of trials and tribulations of being in a band of, you know, of that sort of genre, um, but not necessarily you know, being widely accepted across the community. You know, you've kind of got to do underground gigs that are all secretive. Um, there's a lot of uh, run-ins with uh, the law in those particular countries. Um, if you're playing music of, uh, of this genre. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really interesting um, book. It, it basically takes you through each country at a time across like all of uh, sort of the Middle East and North Africa and explains to you like how each country has its own problems um, and 
has its own problems towards that kind of music and how certain ones are a bit more accepting other ones you know you're very much likely to get in trouble if you're playing uh you know metal music uh and the law kind of finds you can shut down your gigs uh you know can take away your merchandise and burn your cds it's 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 a very very interesting read um i do have to say <laughs> wow okay i've yeah. just looked it up on on amazon we'll, we'll pop a we'll pop a link to that yeah uh, in the show notes but yeah it looks like a very interesting read um i i was a couple of years ago i read um very funny book uh what was it uh the history of heavy metal written by oh, yeah. a very uh, a very um sarcastic guy um which i had as a find of the week once and uh, if you if you like that kind of stuff it sounds like a very different book it's not nearly as uh, um not nearly as consequential as this mm-hmm. but check it out funny book um it's uh, is is not quite as uh, um uh, referency as it sounds freddie yeah. what about you what's your find of the week um so when i saw the list of uh, previous ones that you've sent uh where you mentioned mayonnaise was one of the things. I was tempted to say that my find of the week was that I made my own battered pickles for the first time, like battered gherkins. And that was very exciting. But I think if I'm wearing my professional new gen hat, my find of the week has to be um, Soothe 2, um, which is a, a it's a pretty ubiquitous plugin at this point. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of the manufacturer because I'll, I'll embarrass myself. We go with Oak My, Sound, but I, I, Oak I've Sound. heard people call it Oak. I mean, yeah, it's some letters. I was going to go for like Irk Sound, but I, that's maybe me trying to be too clever. But yeah, the Oak Sound Soothe Two. Um, it's a it's an EQ which essentially is designed to make audio less harsh and it zones in on particular harsh frequencies and and so on and so forth. I've been using that because I, uh, I'm currently mixing a demo for uh, a band that some friends of mine are in that they've recorded in their practice room uh, using two mics on the drum kit and some other nightmarish things. <laughs> so I've been using nice. Sue 2 all over that. Um, and it's definitely been a great help. Uh, I'm on the free trial at the moment, but I, I will be buying it, I'm sure. And um, as well, I think for anyone who's already had a free trial of theirs, uh, I believe that they have just reset all of their free trials. So anyone who wants another go, get involved. It, it is a fantastic plugin. It is It is one of those ones that does take you by surprise when you try it and go, yeah, this thing doesn't just work, it really works. So, you know. I was just going to say, um, I, I was kind of expecting it to be like a snake oil thing, but actually, it's no, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's it's easy to overuse it. I'm I'm having to back off a little bit because I've realised that it is just on everything, and you do want some harshness. But um, yeah, it's it. I've been really impressed. Excellent, excellent. I've just uh, um, pulled that uh, a copy of that book off the bookshelf because it happens to be in the same room. So the book I was referring to earlier was A History of Heavy Metal by Andrew O'Neill. So, yeah, funny one. Check nice. it out. Mine is uh, mine's a BX bass dude uh, from Brainworks, um, uh, the avid inner circle um, sort of cumulative loyalty reward scheme that Avid run for, for Pro Tools users on uh, subscriptions. And and uh, current upgrade plans uh, ran this fantastic offer that we made quite a bit of noise about on the blog uh, where you could choose uh, and keep uh, one of 130, a list of 130 plugins from the Plugin Alliance stable. And uh, while I was encouraging everyone else to uh, to download uh, a plugin, I didn't actually get around to doing it myself, but I have finally done it and I didn't even have to think about it. 
just because I've got a ton of EQs, I've got a ton of compressors, I've got, you know, I've, I have all of those things. Um, and uh, while, while, you know, everyone always acquires more because that's kind of the nature of the thing, um, actually what I really wanted was an amp sim that I actually like because I'm, for a, for a, I play the guitar, but I'm not a guitarist, but I'm su surprisingly fussy about these things just because I like so few of them. <laughs> and uh, one of the yep. ones that I absolutely love is is Bass Dude. It's uh, it's quite an old plugin now, but it's a uh, uh, it's a emulation of a Fender Bassman, and it just does the thing that I really like on a good crunchy valve amp. And it's something about the something about the attack, and that does it. And a good AC30 does it. And uh, yeah, it's just wonderful. So yeah, I've finally got hold of a copy of that, and of course it's um, it's AX DSP. Uh, because it's because uh, it's uh, it better be actually I haven't actually run it up on the carbon but I assume it to be because most of the uh, Bromoit stuff is so uh, assuming that's the case that would be great because I'll maybe use it zero latency which would be even better so Perfect. anyway there's mine um, uh, thank you both for being on um, uh, that's all we've got time for for this week so uh, thanks to my guests uh, Tom and Freddie uh, we'll, we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast.